Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Jeff Dean. I have the privilege of being the Feeding Life pastor here at Bridge. Um, so if you don't know me, I'd love to get to know you. If you're here, just walked in, we welcome you uh, today. Uh, we are continue our series this morning on First Thessalonians called Unshakable Faith. And Pastor Paul last week shared on how we should live already, all right, with an expectation that Jesus is coming back soon. Yeah, he's coming back soon. Um, he is. Uh, this week, we're going to dive uh, into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, and Apostle Paul is going to teach you. There's going to be, I love this word. As I prepared this word, uh, I was looking into all week, the Lord was teaching me and showing me, and I believe that he wants to teach you this morning from his word on how to live for Christ. He was an awesome example uh, uh, for us to follow, and, and as we dive in today, we're really going to see that. Uh, we're not just here to walk and live in a way that focuses on us or, or how we see fit or we want to see it, but we are here to walk worthy of God, worthy of God. We're, we're going to break that down a little bit. So we're, we're going to take a look at Paul and how he imitated and demonstrated how to walk worthy. I think it's so very important as we live in our culture today, in our world today, uh, on what does Jesus look like? How are we supposed to represent him? How are we supposed to walk in a way that's worthy? So people don't see you, but they see Jesus. They see Jesus in you and I. That's what they need. They need the hope of glory, right? They need hope. People are hopeless. They turn on the news and they are hopeless because they see our world just fading away. But there's so much hope in Jesus. And people are looking to you because you're the light of the world, right? You're the salt of the earth. And they're looking to you. Are you walking worthy? Do they see Jesus in you? We're going to break that down. But before I dive in, I want, I want to talk to you about perspective. Perspective. And how we, see seeing, how we see things will determine at times how we receive things, all right, and also act on them. It's, our perspective has a lot to do with it. And uh, last week, Pastor Paul mentioned a, a stat last week that was very concerning to me. It was very um, shocking. And I hope it, it stirred something up in you. He said, uh, that almost 80% of Christians believe in the second coming, all right? But, but 80% have no urgency around it. No urgency. Man, what are we doing? <laughs> Jesus is coming back. We got to be urgent. We got to live like Christ. We got to share the gospel. We have to, to overflow in, in the joy of the Holy Spirit and the love of God in our lives. They need to see because he is coming back soon. And we need to realize that, that our time really is short, and I think it has to do with our perspective. And um, you know, if you fall into that stat, you don't really have a lot of urgency about it. I want to help change that this morning by perspective. I've asked a couple of volunteers, I think Terrence and Dave, to come up here, and I'm going to kind of give you kind of an illustration here as you guys come up. Because sometimes we forget that, you know, we, we, we feel like, you know, we have all the time in the world, but we really don't. So you're going to hold that, Dave. Stretch it out, and my, my main man, Terrence, is here. You can just keep that right there. And so I have this tape measure here, and I want you to picture this tape measure as uh, the, the timeline of eternity, okay? Even though, even though eternity doesn't have too much of a timeline because it's infinite, you know? So pretend this goes on forever that way and on forever that way. You got it? So just pretend, And God created time for us to be in on this earth. There is how he created time. Um, but 
in this uh, little backwards here, I'm going to show a picture. I'll put that slide up there too. I'm just going to take one inch, for example. That's a, that's a seven inch. But just to remind you, all of this of your whole, whole life of eternity, you have basically one little sliver, if you could see on there, that maybe an eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch that actually represents your life and all of eternity. It's just this one little sliver. That's all you got. And this one little sliver counts for everything. What you do matters here. And all of eternity, this goes on this way, and this goes on that way. You've got that one little eighth of an inch. Not even that. Comparison to live your life, to walk worthy before God. God called you. He saved you in that one moment of time. The Bible says that when we're powerless, Christ came at the right time. And he died for us. And, but our life only represents really that little small smidget compared to all eternity. So what you do matters. How you live for Christ matters. Are you living for this earth? Are you living for the things of that, that's temporary, that's earthly? Are you living for God? Are you setting your heart and mind on God in the eternal? Because guess what? Mo- most all your life is going to be this, this it's all eternity from this on. He's looking at one little sliver. So when we learn our perspective. We see our perspective. We have to realize that we just have a small amount of time on this earth. That's it. To do what God's called you to do, his purpose. He, he set you in this year to be your age in this town for a reason and a purpose, right? To influence and be his hands and his feet. To be the church. God's called us to be bridge community church, right? And he has a mission for us. To help people find and follow Jesus. Are you doing that? Are you, are you living your out? Are you, are you worried too much about this, what your, what your material possessions or your retirement or your 401k or what you're going on vacation? That's all good and we do need to enjoy those things. But if we're not focused on eternity, we got to change that. All right? Thank you guys. Thank you guys, thank you guys for doing that. Don't pitch your fingers. That's happened to me before. There should be an urgency to get that part of your life right. There should be an urgency. Uh, because if you don't, it will be very costly. We should live for eternity in mind because it's coming sooner than you think. For some, our perspective needs to change from an earthly temporal mindset to an eternal one. Actually, the Apostle Paul told the Colossians in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says this. He says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things, where? Above, right? Above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Number two, he says, uh, set your mind on things, where? Above, not on where? Earthly things, right? On above. So our, our mindset should be on the eternal, the eternity, right? On Christ. And some of us, we have our, it's all down here. We're all focused. We're all, it's all about, we're talking about the noise of everything that's going on. And we need to lift our eyes to the king. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a big question this morning. I hope it brings conviction. I do, because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. But before I do that, before I hit you with something, I want you to say, I love the little preacher. Come on, say, I love the little preacher. I think he's a sweet little man. Because yeah, I want <laughs> Yeah. Because sometimes we need to hear stuff 
that we, we not want to hear. Thank you for that. Here's the question. Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for eternity? If so, does your life reflect it? Does your life reflect it? I want it to be heavy this morning. I do. Because I think it matters. I think our time is short on this earth. I believe Jesus is coming back. And we need to live with an expectation and an urgency that he is coming back soon. So we need to really digest this. And when we walk away today, I want you to have this be reflecting in your life all week long. Like I said, I know it's a loaded question, but I want to help you get you ready. If you're struggling this morning and have lost that eternal perspective, I want to help you get you ready. Last week, Paul, Pastor Paul t- taught us that the church in Thessalonica had a good grade on, on, on their report card, their unshakable faith report card. But that didn't stop Paul wanting to share his life with them and continue to teach them, which we're going to see in this, this second chapter. See, they had suffered persecution just like Paul did, but Paul reminded them on how they should live, how they should live. And we're going to go through... Um, First, Seth, the closing two. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to, I'm going to give you a list of things on how we can walk worthy. And so I know we're, we started late with preaching, so bear with me. I might move a little bit fast, but, um, but we're going to go through this together. It says, let's start in, in First Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to only share the first 12 verses we're going to focus on from the uh, ESV. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that are coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God, the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery. As you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is, God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether you, from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also for our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, but we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory." And I want to focus on that last verse, verse 12, and make it the premise of my message today. It's, uh, I'm going to read it one more time. And, uh, it says this, We exhorted each of you, First Thessalonians 2.12, We exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy. Everyone say worthy. Worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So the title of my message is walk worthy. Last week, Pastor Paul talked on live ready. We're going to talk about walking worthy. So the word worthy doesn't mean here merit. Listen, uh, we will never be worthy of God. Our, our Bible says that our, um, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Jesus makes us worthy, right? 
His blood makes free. Uh, but Paul appeals that we should walk in a manner worthy of God. The figure walk suggests living as a mode of operation. The word walk comes from two words, around and walk. Walk around carries the idea of a course of life, the manner of life. We take God into everything we are and, and do, and our lives should reflect God's character. It should reflect God's character. Uh, the Living Bible says it very differently. And uh, says this, it says, uh, the Living Bible, that your daily lives should not embarrass God, but bring joy to him who invited you into his kingdom to share his glory. It's pretty straightforward, right? I um, hope that clears up some confusion on what actually that means, what Paul was talking about here. As we walk through First Thessalonians and show you how the, uh, Paul had unshakable faith and lived his life in a, in a worthy manner. See, his, Paul's life exemplifies this whole, this whole thing here. And we need to learn from him. He's teaching us. He's teaching the Thessalonians here. And it amazes me how revel, relevant this is for the church today. See, the Bible is still relevant for us. It's just not some old, dusty book, but it's full of life. And it's here to teach us how to live. In order for our world to change, they need to see Jesus in us. They see the word of God in us. It's changing us, the church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says this, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He's telling the church that. Imitate him. So what does, what does Paul's life look like? We're going to go through it. This morning I'm going to share a list of 13 things, actually 14 things, we can see in the example of Paul's life, that, and then we can check to see if we're living that, them out in our own lives. And listen to the Holy Spirit on what changes that you need to make this morning, so how you can walk worthy. And I don't want to over, overwhelm you today, but I want you to, to consider what little part you could do in a way to get better each day. Sometimes we get overwhelmed, like, I can't do that, it's just too much. No, just listen to the Holy Spirit and how you can, is there one thing in this whole list, or maybe a couple things that God says, you know what, it's time to get better at those things. Just a little better each day. Become more like me each day. I just don't want you to get overwhelmed by it, but I want you to grasp hold of what the Spirit wants you to do this morning as we take this journey of how to walk worthy this morning. Um, this morning, uh, there's, uh, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to take notes this morning. So if there's paper and pens in the seat pocket or you have an app, open that up and take some notes this morning. Um, but I'm going to begin with the first two verses of this chapter with my first point, walking worthy. Walking worthy looks like, number one, having boldness in much conflict. Having boldness. Um, for yourselves, know this is the first couple verses uh, that are coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in the midst of much conflict. Listen, in this world, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have things that are going on. Uh, there will be persecution. There will be suffering. Jesus flat out says in Mark 13, 13, you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, we need to have the boldness in our God to declare the gospel in the midst of the conflict that we face. We need to choose courage over cowardice and remember God is with us. We need to prepare ourselves and know how to handle persecution. Holy Spirit can prepare you to do that. You may not see much in your world now, but as the world gets darker, you may experience it. 
And you and I, we need to be able to stand for God and the truth. We need to live a life, walk a life worthy, right? Worthy what it looks like. Number two, uh, walking worthy looks like not being an heir or indifferent to the truth. And the third verse, it says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Paul did not go off the deep end, all right, and, and preach, he needed to preach another gospel or adopt a false or a new teaching. He knew the truth and he lived by the truth. He didn't twist the truth to try to change it. You know, we need to be on guard against those who tr- twist the truth and make the truth subjective and relative. So listen, God's word is absolute truth, is without error. Progressive Christianity is adopting new claims, forsaking the original teachings of scriptures. We cannot celebrate sin. We cannot change the Bible to fit us. It doesn't work like that. We don't like what it says. We can't take it out. We can't. God said it. All scriptures God breathed. Listen, it's happening in America more than you think. I just watched a YouTube video this week. It was very shocking to me, actually. And a pastor, uh, she was reading a uh, particular passage, and she didn't want to read a certain passage because she said in her terms it was yikes. It was because uh, it was insensitive in her view, and she claimed that Paul was actually acting like a jerk. Very shocking how we could just take things out just because of what it says because we don't like to hear it. We as a church need to hold to the truth and not be indifferent to it. Number three, walking worthy looks like staying pure. Staying pure. First Thessalonians 2, 3, once again, it says, For appeal does not spring from error or, or impurity. Impurity. Are you living pure lives? When Paul mentions impurity, a lot of times he often speaks about sexual impurity. We can't just justify being impure just because we are in love or it makes us feel good. We cannot believe that the lie that says God understands he made a sexual being so he doesn't really care. Yes, he does care. He cares about our purity. He cares about our sexuality. He cares about it needs to be confined in, in the boundaries of marriage. Even though, you know, you and I have a sex drive, sex is to be enjoyed in the boundaries of marriage between a husband and a wife. God makes it clear that there's not, it should be a, a hint of sexual or immorality with God's people. Ephesians 5.3 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or agree, or agree because they, they, these are improper for God's holy people. Not a hint. Number four, walking worthy looks like not attempting to deceive. It says the last part of that verse, it says, or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Our motives should be pure, all right? Satan is the deceiver, and we should not lie and deceive people for our own gain. Revelation 12, 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient servant, serpent who's called the devil and, this, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Listen, when we begin to practice this deception, we begin to lie and we get to foster that in our lives. We're not, we're not representing Jesus, are we? We're actually represent, like we're following after the devil. We don't want to be like him. We don't want any deception. or We don't want to be, be liars, right? We don't want to be like that. 
There's already great deception in the world today. Right is wrong and wrong is right as we see it all over. There's confusion about gender, sex, and when life begins. There's so much confusion. There's so much deception. Let us stand and walk in the truth and proclaim that truth. Number five is says walking worthy looks like pleasing God instead of people. Pleasing God instead of people. The fourth verse says, but just as we've been approved by God and to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. You see, God tests our hearts he see, he, to see our motives. It's about us. Is it about us or is it about him? People pleasing is, an, is the motivational force that drives a person to make decisions based solely on the level of approval they believe they will receive. Related to people-pleasing are codependency and enabling. Within a biblical framework, people-pleasing borders on idolatry. People-pleasers have learned that it feels good to be liked by others, so they steer their words and their actions in the direction that offers the most approval. It is dangerous People-pleasing is dangerous. Learn to please God because he knows your intentions. Learn to please him and him alone. Number six, walking worthy looks like not using words of flattery. The fifth verse, it says here, chapter two, it says, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. See, flattery... (laughs) We could be tempted at times to use that, but it's actually very selfish. It's manipulative. The difference between flattery and a compliment is the benefactor. The flatterer hopes to gain approval or advantage over the one being flattered. Compliments, however, are a sincere acknowledgement of admiration spoken to praise someone else. A compliment is intended to benefit the recipient, whereas the flattery benefits the flatterer. We need to check our words. More importantly, check our hearts. Are we using words of flattery? Number seven, walking worthy looks like being generous, not greedy. We just had a whole series in the fall about generosity. How important it is for us to represent that as as Christians, to be generous and not greedy. It's not about money, right? God owns it all, right? And everything is his. We, 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 We taught on that. And Paul knew that. The, the verse says in chapter 5, it says, Nor with a pretext for greed, God is a witness. See, Paul wasn't in it for the money. He says God is witness of this. See, money will consume us if we let it. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Paul kept his heart in check. He was the opposite, he, he was the opposite of greedy as he was generous. So far, we need to be generous. We don't need a pretext of greed. We don't want to be in it for the money. Oh, how, how what we can gain. But we want to be able to give, right? Give sacrificially. Give unto the Lord. Number eight, walking worthy looks like not seeking human praise. It's not seeking human praise. Nor we did, verse six says this, nor we did seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could not, we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. See, some of us had this, have had this temptation in your life. You know, maybe when you were younger, you wanted to be popular. You maybe did things to get people to, to praise you. You know, uh, maybe you wanted to be famous. 
those sorts of things. Sometimes we just want people to, to notice us and, and praise us. And it's not about that. It's not about human praise. We don't want the glory, but we want to give all glory to God. You know, you may have done things that you regret, you know, so you could look good in front of people, so you can get some praise. But once again, that's not what we're here for. Some of, some of us need our egos to be stroked, and we need to hear from people how great we are. Once again, that exalts us. It doesn't exalt God. God needs the one. He's, the, he's God alone. We are not him, and he is the one to be worshipped. We worship God alone. So don't seek human praise. Don't seek your own glory. Give all glory to God. Bear with me. We're continuing to go down this list. I'm going to try to get through it as fast as I can. But I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What what one of these things that he's speaking to you about this morning? Number nine, not throwing authority around. Number says six. It says, uh, I'm going to just read the end of it. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Um, Paul didn't go on a power trip. He wasn't like that. He could have, he's got to exercise his authority, but he did not wield a lot of power. Some pastors and leaders wield their power and want to be served instead of, serve, instead of serving. They make demands and expect people to submit. Yes, there is authority in the church, and we are to submit to that authority, but there is a way to go about it as leaders. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man while on this earth, but he came as a servant. He didn't wield his lordship over to the disciples. He set the example of humility and service. He even washed the disciples' feet. He set them an example of what that looks like. May we have that example like Christ to serve others, to wash each other's feet in humility, to be that servant. We shouldn't be throwing our authority around just because we we can. Number 10, walking worthy looks like being gentle like a nursing mother. It's really interesting to see this, how Paul is, is painting a picture here in this second chapter of what, what it looks like. Number seven says, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Gentleness is being forgotten in our world. As people think that's a sign of weakness, Paul was gentle. Jesus was gentle. Paul paints a picture of a nursing mother you know, a nursing mother is caring, what she is nurturing. It's a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to be in regards to the body of Christ. How would the church look if it was a gentle church? Gentleness, though, it's, it's not passive. It does confront. Gentleness is direct. It is those things. But it's very loving. It has a very caring attitude and approach. It's like a mother. Caring. Nursing. Get that picture. Walking worthy, number 11, looks like sharing ourselves. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had come very dear to us. See, we were not meant to live life alone. We were meant to live in community with each other. Paul didn't hold back from being real with his brothers and sisters, but it says he was affectionately desirous of being with them, and shared his own self with them. The King James Version says he actually shared his own soul with them. That's strong language. See, we have community groups that we offer here at Bridge, 
And we can do that, just do just that in our community groups. We can share life with one another. We can actually share our own selves and our own souls with one another. It's, it's, it, if you are not part of one, I encourage you to be a part of one. Because we, you do life together. There's encouragement. There's unity. That's what Paul was painting a picture here about community. He wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to be part and live so he can share himself with them. So I encourage you, there's, if you are not in a community group, there's still room. There's still, there's still an opportunity to do that, to share of yourselves. Let other people share into you to get to know one another. Number 12, walking worthy looks like having a hard work, work ethic. Having a hard work ethic. The ninth verse says this, For remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. See, there's no room for laziness in the kingdom of God. Paul worked probably as a tent maker in the situation to provide for himself, so he didn't be a burden to the church. He didn't demand for them to pay, pay him, but he worked hard, so he wasn't a burden to the church. He said he worked night and day. There was toil. There was labor. It looked hard. It was hard work. He didn't put up with laziness. God's people should be working unto the Lord. That's what we're called to be. We work unto the Lord. He warned about idleness and laziness. Later in the second book, the second letter he sent to the Thessalonian church, in in chapter 3, verse 10, he says this. He says this, For even when we are with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. You can see his perspective there. Listen, we don't get to serve. We don't have to serve. Sorry, we get to serve. It's a privilege to serve this house, our ministries, to advance God's kingdom, to serve Jesus. It's about serving Jesus. It's a privilege and honor to serve God in his church. And we shouldn't be lazy but we should give our God our best and work hard for him. Paul set an example of working hard, and we need to do that. That's what walking worthy looks like. Number 13. Hopefully wrap this up in a few minutes here. Uh, walking worthy looks like uh, holy, righteous, and blameless conduct. Your witnesses in God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Part of becoming more like Jesus is to grow. We all need to grow. We all need to become like, more like Jesus. It's this fancy word called sanctification. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're not staying where we're at, but we're growing. We're understanding. We're growing in the knowledge and the love of God. We're growing in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The standard is to look and act like Jesus. That's our goal. Are you running your race towards that goal? Are you living your life that way? I know the bar is set high, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can strive and live righteous, holy, and blameless. We will not be able to accomplish this on our own. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And we did a whole series on the Holy Spirit back in the fall, how he's our our comforter, right? He's our counselor. He's our advocate, the one that comes alongside of us to help us. If you're not living and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I, I, I encourage you, I urge you to start because you can do it through him. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. And without holiness, 
no one will see the Lord. Holiness just, uh, just means setting ourselves apart for God in every aspect of our lives. What's more, being holy doesn't mean being sinless. It means cooperating with the Holy Spirit as we seek to obey God, God's will, and as we give ourselves to the people around us. We're set apart for Him and Him alone. Number 14, and I'm going to wrap up here. Walking worthy looks like a motivating father. The love of the 12th verse says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul was not only like a caring mother, but a motivating father. He pleaded, encouraged, and urged them to walk in a manner worthy of God. That's the premise I based my message on today. Paul is a true example of how we should walk and follow Christ. And we need to imitate his example. We have, we have seen in this passage how he lived and what that looks like. And how he, he, er, and he encouraged and he was speaking to the Thessalonian church. And as I close this morning, this message is about giving you that same charge. Paul gave the church of Thessalonica to walk worthy. He not only said this to them, but the Ephesians church. He said that to the Philippian church. He said that to the Colossian church. That was a, a regular routine. It says this in Ephesians 4.1. It says this, Therefore, I, I a prisoner of the, of, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And that was in Ephesians 4.1. I don't know if there's a slide on there. Ephesians 4.1. Philippians 1.27 says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And also to the Colossian church, he says the same thing. So you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This is how we should ought to live. It brought joy to Paul, knowing that the Thessalonians were doing well as a young church, but it didn't stop him in this letter reminding them on how they should live, especially in the expectation of Christ's return. In the last two verses of this chapter, he says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown or boast to me for our Lord Jesus that is coming? It is not you, for you are glory and joy. He's talking about the coming of the Lord right here. He's still reminding them, Jesus is coming back. I'd like to ask you the same question as I did at the beginning of my message. And if the... Uh, uh, the musicians can come up, and we're hopefully we can close here in the next few couple minutes. I want to do that. Are you ready for eternity? If so, does your life reflect it? Does your life reflect it? If we all stand this morning. The Lord is, what is your perspective this morning? We had this tape measure here. And we, are you thinking about your life in the midst of eternity? This little small sliver, because what you do makes it count. You see, you may say, well, it doesn't matter that much. It does. Let me remind you that you'll be judged for what you do for Christ at the judgment seat of Christ after the rapture. 
you will get rewarded for what you have done for your Savior. You're going to stand before Jesus and give an account of how you lived your life. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So I encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of God. I don't know about you, but I want to hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Do you want that? I encourage you guys can do it. You can walk worthy. The Holy Spirit can help you. And maybe there's one thing in this whole list. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you like, you know what? I got to change that. Man, I, I live to please people. I don't live to please God. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I'm not very gentle. I need to be gentle. Like a nursing mother. There's a bunch of things on this list. Wherever you're at today, whoever spoke to you, I'm, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you to make this little sliver of your life. I'm gonna have, if it's 80 years, it's 50 years, it's over 100 years to make it count. Because we only got one shot. Make it count for Him. And we're, we have to close. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, Jesus, that we are able to come before you and listen to your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak today to those that need to make a change. God, when people look at their life, they don't really see a lot of Jesus. They don't really see a lot of Paul. They see a lot of them. And that doesn't really line up too much with who you are. But Lord, there's hope because they have come here this morning. They have heard your word. God, that they can, they can make a change, God, and receive your Holy Spirit to help them live the life they're called to live. God, that they have your word, the power of your word that can, they can stand on. The promises are yes and amen in Christ. Because, God, you have a purpose for them in their families and in their jobs, at their schools to be your instrument, just like Paul was an instrument. Lord, they want to use them to do amazing things for you, God. To share the gospel of God. How many times in that whole chapter it was about declaring the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So God, as we, we're going to wrap it up today because of the time, but Lord, I just I'm going to encourage you, if there's something that the Lord stir in your heart that you won't you won't just throw it to the side but Lord you consider be convicted on how you can walk and change your life and get ready for his coming to have that unshakable faith like Paul had God help us I pray encourage us in the name of Jesus we want to be more like you we want to be used of you we want to hear you say well done good and faithful servant Help us to walk worthy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I don't know if we have any time. I don't think we have any time, but you guys can go in the name of Jesus. If you're here and you want prayer, uh, 
Pastor Paul's going to play, and, and I'll be able to play and pray with you. But um, go, go in Jesus' name.